Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Kelly and the Encouragers. I hope you are having an awesome week. Not just an awesome week, but an awesome beginning to the month of March. I have really high hopes for this year. And I hope that if you are one of those people that set intentions at the beginning of the year, like I am, that those intentions are taking you far in this world. If you're a little confused right now about why this doesn't sound like Kelly, that's because it's not. My name is Emily Jones, and I have very lovingly hijacked Kelly's podcast this week. Um, I had something really important to me that I really wanted to share, and Kelly has been so gracious and allowed me the platform to do that. Some of you might recognize my voice or my name. I have been a guest on the Kelly Encouragers podcast um, twice now. Um, The most recent one was in December, right before the holidays, and we talked about family dynamics. And um, I'm going to bring a little bit more of that back today. It's got a lot to do with the thing that's on my heart. So for those of you who didn't get to hear the other two podcasts or haven't gone back to listen to them, or you did listen to them, and a lot has happened since then, (laughs) I'll tell you who I am a little bit more. So I'm a trauma therapist in the city of Fargo, North Dakota. I serve kids as young as, oh, currently I have a three-year-old, I think. Yep, a three-year-old, and then clients all the way up until, you know, 90 if they wanted to see me. But mostly, I work with um, young kids, probably my average age right now, I'd say is about 12. Um, I do have some adults that I see. I do have some really young children that I see. But I think that my most comfortable demographic or the demographic that really just tugged at my heartstrings are those really awkward adolescents that need a little bit more encouragement in their lives. (laughs) I know I definitely did when I was that age, for sure. And that's probably why I like working with them so much. So the other thing that I decided to do this year, because, you know, why not? Let's throw some other irons on the fire, is I decided that I would take an adjunct teaching position for the North Dakota State uh, Minot State Combined Social Work Program. And I'm currently teaching a class for that program, and I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I hope that that's an opportunity that I get to do some more of in the future, for sure. I am also the wife to a retired Army veteran, so things get a little interesting in our house, (laughs) for sure. Uh, There have been some issues, you know, just transitioning to civilian life. There's no joke. And if anybody would like to know more about that or get more information about that, I would love to share that with you because it's definitely a life transition that I don't think enough people are very well prepared for. And so if anyone would like some good information, tips and tricks, just let me know. Let Kelly know, and I'd love to provide those to you. I have also uh, two children, a 9-year-old and a 14-year-old. Oh, you guys. Okay. Yes, I love working (laughs) with adolescents. It's a whole other thing to parent them. It really is. I never knew how awkward and silly my life would become to have two adolescent boys in my home. And it's, it's amazing. It is amazing, but it's so gross. 
<laughs> it's so gross. It's so weird sometimes. So anywho, that's who I am in a nutshell. I love to be creative. I love to use music and art and therapy. I love to use music and art in my home. And that's what makes me me, I think. So anyway, let's, let's start to focus on the real reason we're here today. So there's something that's really been tugging at my heart, I'd say over the last two or three months. And thank goodness I had an encourager like Kelly in my life. Because I am often the victim of my own thinking. And what I mean by that is that I suffer from something called scarcity mindset, also known as scarcity mentality. And if you've never heard of that, it's the concept that things are either all or nothing. And so for those of you that may be therapists or people who've been in cognitive behavioral therapy before, you might recognize that as a cognitive distortion called all or nothing thinking. But scarcity mentality was actually a term that was coined by Stephen Covey in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Now, if you were to Google scarcity mentality or scarcity mindset, you might get a lot of things that revolve around finances. We're not going to talk really about finances, although it really will apply. We're going to talk about the emotional impacts of scarcity mentality and why that sometimes happens. So to share a little bit of my personal journey with this, I was finding myself in this rut of feeling extremely creative. I mean, I was just popping out ideas left and right. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Oh my God, I should do this. Oh my God, my agency should do this. And I was so excited about all of these things, right? But I wasn't making them happen. And then someone else would come up from behind and do something very similar. Maybe not the exact same thing, but very similar. And then I would go, <laughs> Uh, why are they getting all of the attention? Why are they getting to have all of this acknowledgement? Well, because they made it happen and I didn't. But why was I not making it happen? Well, one, I can tell you that anxiety was a huge part of it. It was a huge part of it. Anxiety and self-esteem sometimes have this nasty habit of rearing their ugly heads together and going, Emily, you have great ideas, but guess what? You're still not good enough to execute them. And then when somebody else does it, I think, well, they've already done it. So what's the point in me doing it? Because they've already got all of the things that I myself would have gone for. So an audience or recognition or clients or anything like that. And I just thought, well, if they do it, then there's nothing that's going to be left for me. Wow. Wow. How defeating is that? Let's just sit with that for a moment. If someone else is doing it, I shouldn't. Because there will be nothing left for me. I can tell you that this is something that I have dealt with for a really long time. It is something that has challenged me in many aspects of my life. And I'm fairly certain that there are some of you out there that have dealt with this as well. It's not something that I walk around with every day by any means. Um, sometimes I'm in really, really good places and I don't have any hint of it at all. And then sometimes when the the moment is just right. Maybe it's a particular time of year 
or there's a particular trigger, it just pops right back up. And then I have to deal with it all over again, and I have to walk myself through it. So why do people get into this mindset? Well, the, the short answer for that is, well, any number of reasons. So I'd really like to share with you some observations that I've made. Now, some of these observations come from doing the work that I do. Some of these observations come from me watching other people in their relationships. And some of these observations come from simply being very reflective on myself and my own relationships. I was listening to Kelly's podcast last week when she talked about her journey with her own creativity. God, that was a really good episode. And there was something in there that she said that tugged at my heart. And she was talking about how, how much she loves to write and how creative she is with it. And I can tell you, she is immensely creative. But she didn't feel like she could execute that or take that on as something that was her thing because they already had a writer in the family. That's scarcity mindset. And I can tell you that my own personal journey has been very similar, starting in a very similar dynamic. I had two older sisters that were much older than me. And so by the time that I came around, things had pretty much just been done. We were from a pretty small community in Kentucky. And there wasn't a lot of things that we could do uh, as far as extracurriculars or, or really sports other than basketball and football. Um, if you know anything about Kentucky, we love our basketball. Anyway, not the point. I can remember thinking so many times that I wish music was my thing, but it couldn't be because that was my oldest sister's thing. And I remember thinking, I wish animals could be my thing, but it couldn't be because that was my other sister's thing. I spent so much time trying to find my thing. And then that was challenged when I had a brother <laughs> who came along eight years after me because the things that I worked so hard to establish as pieces of my own identity, he would start to infringe on. I was searching so hard to find my place in the world and feeling like I had no place that wasn't already claimed by someone else. It's kind of like going to the North Pole and seeing that American flag there and going, oh, okay, sorry, and then backing away. And I just didn't have the self-esteem to boost me through that, the confidence to boost me through that and say, yes, it's their thing, but guess what? It's mine too. And there's enough room for everybody. So that really instilled in me a highly competitive streak. Because if there weren't things that I could do that were new, I could surely do them better. And so every endeavor that I entered into once I got into high school, especially, it wasn't just about doing it or having the experience. It was about faster, better, stronger. I've got to be the best. I've got to be the best. And if I'm not the best, then I'm not worthy. I think that scarcity mindset can often come from family dynamics. Feeling as if 
there's only so much love to go around. There's only so much praise to go around. And not feeling assured that the love and praise will come, even if you're not the best, even if you're not the first. I think that's a huge part of it. That's something that I have witnessed over and over again. Not just in my own life, but also in the lives of my clients. Like I said before, I work with a lot of kids that have trauma. And in fact, most of those kids that I work with that have trauma are actually in foster care. So I get a lot of foster parents that say to me, they're just doing this for attention. Yeah, you're right. I validate that statement a lot. Yeah, you're right. But let me tell you why. Let me tell you why they're doing it for attention. It's because this child is currently in scarcity mindset. They have a scarcity mentality. They feel very deeply inside their whole body that whatever love and affection you show for their sibling or for their foster sibling, there will not be enough left for them as well. How deeply sad is that? So sad. Often these kids have been told that they aren't enough unless they do something. They aren't enough unless they can live up to the standards. And sometimes these standards are highly unattainable. I also see some extremely high-functioning kids that come in with massive amounts of anxiety. And the pressure to perform is extremely high. That can also lead to scarcity mindset. The idea that if we are not able to live to mom and dad's exacting standards, there will be no love left for me. There will be no affirmation left for me. My worth is gone. So how does that impact us in adulthood? Well, kind of like I observed in my own life, we might have things that come along that we get really excited about. And maybe we get a coworker or a friend who has the ability to see that exciting opportunity through. And instead of being happy for them, we take it deeply personal. There have been times when there are people that I love and care about so much and something amazing happens for them. And I am so happy for them, truly, truly happy for them. But there's this little troll in the back of my brain going, see, it's happening for them and not for you. And doesn't that just eat the joy? It totally eats all of the joy. So how do we manage it? Well, the first thing we have to do is recognize it. But one of the ways that we can recognize that is we can seek an opportunity to meet with a therapist or have really, really good friends. I said this in the very first podcast that I was on with Kelly. We talked about supporting one another. And I said, some of the best encouragers are the people that tell us the truth. They tell us what they're observing with kindness. So the first step is practicing self-reflection and really taking our hard 
come to Jesus, come to Jesus meeting, I say this all the time, with yourself to say, this is what I'm doing. And there can be a way out. You have to convince yourself of that. So using a lot of thought stopping and saying, nope, I'm in scarcity mindset. I got to change this. I got to reframe my way of thinking. So there's some simple things that you can do that are going to definitely feel like you're faking it till you make it. And the first one is to say, I am enough and I have a lot to offer the world. That's the first step. You've got to develop some sort of mantra in your mind so that when you recognize that you're doing those things, you can go, oh, no, that's stopping. Do a little mindfulness exercise, repeat your mantra to yourself that you develop, and then you move through it. So how do you move through it? Well, if you're saying to yourself, I am enough and I have a lot to offer the world, then you pick yourself up, you grab that opportunity, and you move through it. You move with it. You see the opportunity. And if there's not an opportunity in front of you, you find the opportunity. I'll tell you one of the gifts that I consider from having a scarcity mentality is the fact that I've become extremely good at finding gaps in service for mental health care in our community. It's something that I am able to pinpoint. I can see the nuances of service. I can see the loopholes in policy. And I can pinpoint exactly where we need to put another service in place. And I truly believe that that has come from the fact that I have had to search high and low for my own spots in this world. That is a gift. This is a beautiful gift. It's a way to reframe this negative mentality that we have and use it for good. We can find a little of those things. So if there's not an opportunity being handed to you, which sometimes the best opportunities aren't, then go find your opportunity. I have another amazing encourager in my life who often says to me, yeah, I get that it's like what you're doing, but they're not you. You just be you. Actually, what she says is, you do you, boo. <laughs> and I love her for it because she's so, so right. She's so right. I could go out and implement a program that looks exactly like someone else's program, but they will not deliver it the way that I will. And that's not coming from a place of competition. That's coming from a place of confidence and creativity. They will never deliver it the way that I will. And I will never deliver it the way that they will. And guess what? The people that need them to deliver it that way will find them. And the people that need me to deliver it my way will find me. And what a great opportunity for us to collaborate. That often means that my service delivery and their service delivery may be similar theoretically, but not in delivery. And we need both. We need multiple people with multiple diverse ways of thinking and creativity and delivery to provide service, to provide hope, to provide healing. We need all of us. We are unique human beings. And there could be someone who looks like me on paper, but you get us in person in front of one another, and we're two completely different people. The world needs both of us. 
the world would not be the same without one of us. The world has enough to give love and opportunity and affirmation to both of us. So there's two more things that I would really like for you to try if you're finding yourself stuck in this rut of scarcity mentality. The first is I want you to give to the world what you'd like to get back. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Karma is a beautiful thing. And if karma is not something that you believe in, then um, what goes around comes around is a real thing. And if that's not something that you believe in, then just believe in being a good, kind human being. And that blessings will come to you in abundance. What comes back to you will be beautiful and supportive and encouraging. Give to others what you want to receive. And the last thing that I would encourage you to do is thank your encouragers. Find those people that have given you words of wisdom along the way, helped lift you up out of a dark place, or have helped grow you into the professional that you are or the person that you are, and just tell them thank you. It is amazing what that feeling of thanks does for us. If we take the time to be grateful and show gratitude for those who have helped us along the way. So in the spirit of doing that, I might get a little teary, I'm not going to lie. I'd like to thank my encouragers. I'd like to thank Kelly for giving me this opportunity to share something that is really, really dear on my heart. And I'd like to thank my husband. He's the whole reason that I was even able to go back to school, become a social worker, and ultimately become the therapist that I am. He challenges me daily, but he encourages me even more. My kids, who believe that I am the best mom in the world, even when I feel like I'm the worst. And I'd like to thank my sisters. I'm honestly really glad that they, there wasn't enough room because I have learned an invaluable lesson. We are not defined by the activities that we do. We are not defined by the careers that we have. We are not defined by the people with whom we're in relationships. We are defined by what we put out into this world. We are defined by the goodness and kindness in our hearts. And I am so grateful that I can say that I have never hung my hat on one particular aspect of myself. And I have been able to come to a place now where I'm 36 years old and I can say that I am Emily. I'm simply Emily. I am not Emily the musician. I am not Emily the therapist. I am not Emily Stephanie and Allison's little sister. I am Emily. And I never would have come to that if it weren't for the fact that I felt that way when I was a kid. I'm thankful for the roles we've played in each other's lives. And lastly, I'd like to say thank you to you guys 
Thank you for tuning in and listening to me ramble today. Thank you for supporting one of my very good friends and her endeavors and her efforts to be encouraging to the rest of the world. So everyone go out and have a wonderful rest of your March. Have a wonderful rest of your year. Set your intentions and stick to them, especially if your intention is to get out of scarcity mindset or scarcity mentality. Develop your abundant mentality, and we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. A special thank you to our producer, Joe Burkett, and our assistant, Carrie, who both helped to make this podcast possible. See you next week for another episode.